It's funny. People always be like, don't forget about the little people. It's like, why do they refer themselves as little anyway, you know? Why don't you just get big with me? They can see it in my eyes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of John's Entitled Podcast. I am your host, John. This week's guest is the returning Fallon Bowman. We are still in the midst of breaking down the Deftones discography. Uh, We've been doing it once a month uh, for the past three months now, and we are breaking down the ever-popular White Pony. Uh, The interesting thing about this one is, uh, to me, that I was really interested to see an album that, to me, is really where a a lot of new fans came into liking this band. So I'm really interested in, after releasing this discussion, to see what the fans of uh, this podcast and Fallon's fans and so forth that have been super active in engaging conversation with Fallon about what their favorite song is or what their favorite record is or so on and so forth. So I'm really interested to get this episode out and see what the general consensus is as far as what songs people like and what people think of uh, our conversation as a whole, because we definitely have not been on the on the right side of uh some people's opinions thinking that uh we've chosen the wrong song as the best song or or whatever um so this episode is kind of long with some of these episodes that we've been doing uh fallon has had interesting stories to tell about seeing this band live during this touring cycle and this one's no different she has some uh stories that she tells in this episode so i'm gonna kind of keep this one short just because the episode runs kind of long uh and i will kind of take care of the extra shit of uh social media and all that kind of stuff on the very end of this episode so without further ado this is my chat breaking down white pony with fallon bowman crazy and unique and all that uh-huh. i was uh we can start chatting about white pony because <laughs> yeah, we're about sure. 10 minutes talking about crazy shit but it, it was funny thinking about this record because like something i really wanted to hit on for me um we've kind of talked about it like when these records came out i realized that mm-hmm. when this album came out i was a sophomore in high school <clears throat> and then okay. i started thinking about how around this time you know you and i being the same age that you like have already had experiences like playing Ozfest and shit like that where it's like a completely different set of like where you were like in your or I guess as you call it, do you call it like year like year something yeah, or is it like uh, you, what does what does sophomore yeah, mean? Okay. So yeah, I I really I thank God I listen to so many different podcasts and I talk to so many different people that I'm aware of like sort of different like in Canada, like it's like university and not college. Uh or, you know, yeah, things like that. Um yeah. Sophomore year is your is second year. Like, so it would be your second year. So we're grade ten, grade yeah, yeah, ten, grade, 10. grade eleven. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. So it would be. But you your guys grade say tenth grade. <laughs> we don't say no. We don't say tenth grade. We just say uh, sophomore. You're it's uh, freshman. I've, I've never heard people say that, but maybe that's a. I've heard some Americans say, "Oh yeah, I've been doing that since the eleventh grade." I'm like, "Why don't you just say grade 11 They're yeah, like, "No, I'm... it's eleventh grade." I'm like, "Whoa, okay." Yeah. No, because it yeah. would be uh, so grade nine. Uh, is freshman. Grade nine would be freshman, yeah. And then sophomore okay. is grade ten. Grade eleven would be uh, juniors, and then obviously grade twelve would be uh, senior. Senior. But, okay, gotcha. 
And as soon as I was saying that, I was like, wait a minute, you're Canadian. You guys don't say that. You say, like, year, <laughs> year. We something. say the actual grade, yeah. 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 Uh, so at least I remember that. Anyway. Um, but it was very interesting, like, because this is definitely a time where, thinking back to the 2000, like, I remember this is around the time someone literally had headphones on, and I could just hear this, like, like going through his headphones. I'm like, what the fuck are you listening to? It sounds like garbage. <laughs> and then he's, like, puts the headphones on me, and it's, like, the first Slipknot record. And I'm like, holy shit, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, coming into my own a lot on getting into heavy music. Uh, I mean, this is the, the ripe time between, you know, your what would end up being called, like, the, the new wave of... Uh, like heavy metal coming out of uh the like east coast between bands like kill switch and uh kill switch and like shadows fall that like metalcore sound that started happening out that way um that they were putting their stamp on but then you also had new metal and like full swing with bands you know like corn who are on like total request live and you're getting bands like cold that are kind of doing something a little bit different it's kind of moody more like grunge kind of excuse me tinged and then you have you know deftones seemingly at the the top of that pile as well of bands not necessarily like getting mainstream attention like that but i felt like when this record came out like it was everywhere people who didn't like the band saw them you know they were on all the tours that people were going to go see like you know family values tour was still a pretty big package tour around this time um this took from what I remember, because I didn't actually see them on this this cycle yet either, so I still hadn't seen the band live. Um, but I'm remembering, like, it seemed like they were always playing, like, arenas at this point, like, on every tour. Yep. Mm-hmm. And really had just hit this stride where it's like this band that I thought was still a pretty little band from around the fur, now all of a sudden, like, people who don't listen to this style of music, do you have White Pony? Have you heard White Pony? And it's like... Have you heard this? Yeah. It, and it yeah. was crazy, because it's like, at, I, admittedly, I don't really think there was much of a... It didn't feel like there was much of a push for this record as it seemed that it would have had based on how many people were talking about it. And, like, I vaguely remember seeing a video for Digital Bath, um, but it, it didn't feel like it really got much of a push for my nope. eyes until nope. uh back to school came out then it seemed like everything that happened after that like broke the fucking record like then you started seeing print ads and stuff like when that was still a thing um yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know seeing shit like that so it's like it didn't seem like no. until back to the school like when they basically would have been giving up on pushing any singles and shit like that that it started doing well then you get like change in the house of flies and mm-hmm. you know stuff like that so it, it almost seemed like the first single, which admittedly seems to be everyone's favorite, like, you know, uh, with Digital Bath, that it seemed like that didn't do much for the band. And it wasn't until, like, this weird, like, rap metal song that they weren't really known for doing is the thing that broke this this album, which is weird. Uh, yeah, and it's funny because I had never heard that song up until relatively recently. And it's supposedly, like, this... I, I'm like looking at it on Spotify. That's the first song. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm still listening to the CD, which uh, Fetisera or whatever. How yeah, you is say the it, first one. Yeah, is the first song. So I'm yep. like, what song is this? I've never heard this before. So it's relatively recent to me. And I don't like it. What's... I'm like, no, what is this? No. Ugh. So I guess Ugh. this is this is a great way to just start the, the breakdown <laughs> right here. So with Back to yeah. School, I put Back to School as the first track because basically it is widely known that this version of white pony is basically the album track listing as it is 
Um, is it I, really? Okay. Well, here's um, the thing. I was going to say, because when I got the record, I didn't have, like, and this is the fun thing about this CD uh, in particular, and then a lot of CDs around this time started doing this very same thing. So uh, this CD came out. It did not have Back to School on it. Uh, they It was a, a reissue. A, I think it was the second reissue of the CD, the second printing of the CD. Uh, because with this CD, there was Fetish Era, as you were saying, is typically the first song. And I think they released that on a normal, like, white. Like, the album cover was white. Then there was a blue cover, blue CD variant of the CD. There was a black mm-hmm. on black that was numbered. And then there was, I think, even a red one. And they were all, like, had different, like, things special about them. Got ya. Um, but then when they reissued this record with Back to School on it, uh, that was a silver, uh, that was a silver album cover. And like, I think I have, um, like I had, I think like three different versions of the CD. Like I was that asshole who would like buy different versions of the CD just because I was like, well, there's something different about it and I need it. <laughs> um, I've since um, like slowly started know, selling that just, shit. I have the silver cover. That's all I have. I have back to school on uh, uh the change single right i have the like the single oh my god the single cd and there are three songs including back to school on it i just never listened to it i didn't i really i looked at, i looked at afterwards i'm like what is this back to school Mini so then i checked my cd and i'm like oh okay so it's a song i never listened to <laughs> okay so yes. as as okay, that's a that's a great point. As someone who just recently found this song, what do you you say you don't like it, but did you like Pink Maggot to begin with, or were you not really a fan of that song either? No, I, I don't. I, that was my note. I didn't listen past song eleven. <laughs> so it always ends to you or for you the, on I'll, change. Oh, so weird. It, it's kind of funny that we had similar instances because like, and I'm jumping way ahead, but like it. If, we're kind of going between these two songs and the fact that uh, for those that if you aren't aware or you've never picked up on the fact that back to school, AKA mini maggot is an extended jam basically of, or a reimagining of pink maggot. Um, I, the notes I have for this was, I always loved the, uh, the balance that the song has for just like the, the the song as a whole. Um, I definitely didn't think that this helped the Deftones not get tagged with the new metal like vibe because <laughs> this basically is indicative of like oh you're thinking new metal you're thinking like POD like stuff off of like fundamental elements oh, of Southtown or which is a, still an album I really like but I mean like the the push like where everyone kind of had that bouncy sort of rappy stuff over rock guitars stuff like that it's like this is exactly what people think of when you think of new metal uh, yeah. in, in name yeah. in name at least so it's like they didn't it didn't help that this you know was a song that became so popular and the funny thing was was they were trying to get the label wanted them to put it on the original pressing of the record but they weren't done with the with the song uh production or like arrangement so when they reissued okay. it like then that's when the label was like we got to push this as a single it's got to go on the record it's got to start the record so on and so forth um but it was really weird because like they I thought I had read some stuff where Chino was like, you know, initially we were doing it because it was fun. And then like when it became a thing that like we had to put out or whatever, like became very like eh, about doing the song and releasing it and doing uh, everything. So yeah, I've always felt like it's a song that they don't necessarily dig. 
but right. you know they they play it live it gets a good reaction it's it's a fun track but it's so weird that like this version of a song like this song came out of pink maggot because they don't sound anything alike i don't know how you write nope. the music to back to school and then she you know has the idea to be like oh you know like the chorus and the outro to pink like pink maggot i'm gonna throw that and like start writing like kind of rappy you know hooks over this um Ugh. Another thing I had read a long time ago when this when Chino was being interviewed was that he had said like he was at a record store and he hears uh, over the PA like over the stereo system someone going like I'll be the man watch your backpacks pen and pencils and he's like who the fuck jacked my line and so he was like oh I went to the store clerk and I was like who is this and then the guy was like oh it's uh, Chuck it's like the new Chuck D album and he goes oh and he goes I was like real upset for like two seconds and I was like Chuck do you use my line that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess you pick your battles right <laughs> yeah so it was interesting yeah. to uh hear that that was a story um but anyways so then in this case i did not include back to school mini maggot as the first okay i did it based on the cd because that's a well i i could have just listened on i checked on spotify just in case i'm like oh wait there's a different track listing what the hell's going on <laughs> so i'm stuck in the dark ages clearly um but at any rate well, yeah i was gonna say we also really haven't i mean we we skipped like the the extra track the hidden track really on uh around the fur and i don't i can't remember if there was like extra shit on um on adrenaline, adrenaline. or not so. but <clears throat> something i did want to bring up because uh, as i was listening to our chat about around the fur something we had discussed and we weren't really sure of and it was something i had actually found recently uh, which I thought was interesting was on MX the the girl that's doing the vocal. You said I, I had always thought it was Chino's wife. Uh huh. Now it's in not... my digging around for that song on YouTube to throw to like download the song off of YouTube and then throw it onto uh onto the episode to finish it out. I found a version with like that was like MX Deftones from '97 I think, and it was like with girl who did vocals and i was like holy shit so i clicked on it and i was like okay well who is this and i started started like scrolling through the comments and everyone's like everyone thinks it's uh you know chino's girlfriend or whatever it's actually abe's ex-wife <laughs> so okay. the story apparently that i've now found is that that was abe's ex-wife uh, wife abe's at the time i knew it was someone's wife <laughs> yeah so there is a video of her like coming out like all randomly like and only doing part of her vocal uh live with uh chino like sharing a mic and stuff it was it, it seemed very awkward and then oh, like some yeah. people on the youtube comments were like oh i bet they fucked and that's why they're not you know those two aren't together anymore and i was like Aben, oh Aben. shit and i was like i don't know and i'm not Band even drama. Gonna... yeah um so do you have anything else to add to to uh back to school or you, you just kind of like eh, it is what it is and i don't really it acknowledge its it existence <laughs> i mean it, it's fine I, I i just feel like it when i when i went back to listen to it i'm like this seems so out of place it seems so just like thrown in there to sort of be relevant in the new metal scene yeah but like i don't consider this record new metal at all no not even not even a a, a and I'll tell you the story about when I first heard it, and it's and it makes me sound like a really horrible Deftones fan. But um, the first, I, I I didn't even like when I knew it was coming out, but I didn't even listen to it. I didn't buy it. I didn't 
pay attention to it at all because I was so busy with my own shit at this point. Right. And I on the bus and uh, Jack Osborne was on this, the OzFest tour as well. And yep. he was young. He was he's a lot younger than me, uh, maybe like five years younger than me or something like that. So he was a, a kid at because I was a teenager, but he was a kid. Right. <laughs> like he was really young. But he comes in and he puts the CD in. He goes, have you heard this yet? I'm like, no, what is this? And he's like, it's, it's the Deftones. It's the new Deftones record. I'm like, what? And I, I was floored. I went out to the store. I don't even remember where we were, somewhere in the States. So like Borders or something. I'm like, I want the CD. Like now. Because it was <laughs> so amazing. Just so, so, so good. And so then, uh, yeah, so I guess we can start from there. That's how I heard it was I, I didn't even I didn't even pay attention. It had to be thrown in my face for me to, to listen to it. And yeah, I remember the MTVX channel before it became another hip hop channel because that was needed. OK, um, <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine my dismay when I woke up one morning to throw on MTVX and watch all my metal videos before I go to school and it's like rap and I'm like where do, you, where do you have where do you have a rap station it's basically what MTV <laughs> has turned into and MTV2 and MTV all these other ones like even whatever they, else even the Latin one has a bunch of rap on it I was like so <laughs> we don't have anything dedicated to metal and now it's gone um yeah but yeah. we used to watch uh that much music uh the Mistress Julia or whatever her name was like so I constantly was seeing the uh the digital bath video and just being so intrigued by it like and because i didn't get it the video i was like why is he like on top of a car and why is he wearing this like snowboarding shit indoors and why is abe playing a, ch a children's drum kit like why are all these <laughs> why are all these posters blurred out like i was so confused by like so much of it <laughs> uh um, that i remember just being more intrigued uh by yeah. it and then finally it wasn't until i heard change where i was like okay i gotta go get this this record um actually i don't remember exactly i think it was just the opening oh, yeah. i think it was just the very first song that i'm like i like it i don't know what i like about it but i like it of course i was already a fan to begin with but it just rekindled my love for them tenfold like it was just what i needed to hear i think along with perfect circles record but that's another thing yes. um yep it's, so it's it funny, just... yeah. It's funny you mentioned the perfect circle thing because I've there was a thread on a Facebook group I'm in, and someone was like, "Oh, what's you know some of your you know favorite albums to have sex to, or like the sexiest albums or whatever." Mm. And I was like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> and I go, "Well, I, I don't I don't mean to be rude, and I'm appreciative to see what everyone says, but you're all wrong if you don't say White Pony and Married Arms." So I was like, "That's that's basically the best too, <laughs> like the flow of everything. Like if you throw it on and just kind of do your thing, like it has the perfect rhythm." to follow mm -hmm. for a whole thing and it's just yes. super sexy music and i'm always like but like some of the things people are like oh it's sade and it's like like uh, the weird thing influences that i am aware of that like chino and them have uh and some of the artists that they've covered but yep. it's uh it was one of those where like a lot of people were like i mean i guess you're not wrong like merida noms and white pony are really good and i'm like i fucking know they are <laughs> hello <laughs> i wouldn't uh, listen to bad music <laughs> yeah but it was funny because like so white pony has been kind of omnipresent in uh a lot of the stuff i'm like involved in recently leading up to this mm -hmm. chat so it was perfect timing the thing yeah. that i thought was interesting about uh this song is the a lot of and we've talked about this before a lot of artists around the time changing lyrics in the liner notes so that way they didn't have to get the parental advice sticker so they could get it at like walmart and stuff like that back when 
right. you know, places actually carried CDs and you could, yeah. you wanted the best first week sales you could get. Um, yep. So apparently there was always a, a thing where in the liner notes, it says, uh, but I'm drunk. Where obviously anyone who's listened to this song or seen the band live knows it's fuck, I'm drunk. And Sheena was like, yeah, some songs uh, I had to, I moved some lyrics around so that way we didn't get hit with that sticker. Uh, ah, that's funny. So it's interesting to, to know that like the first song right out the gate on, on this record, like the lyric has changed and all the controversy that caused so, so long ago. Um, I also wrote uh, on this Steph's tone, ugh, just what can we not say that hasn't already been said about it? Um, this is also like straight out the gate. Like I had talked about it when we were discussing a few tracks, like, uh, be quiet and drive on, uh, around the fur. This is like where you really see Steph's tone, get that like flangy sound yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of present on this record off and on, but like it's starting to have what I would start saying is more Steph's tone, like just as it is. Yeah. Um, now it is defined very yeah. clearly. Yeah. Um, this is just an interesting song kind of all around. It's, it's, I think this record, and I'll probably end up saying this quite a bit on a lot of the tracks. I feel like this is a record, a song that shows just how different the Deftones are from the first two records they put out, uh, with different things going on, like changing tempos and adding more dynamics to, to the songs. It's almost like they figured out like, Oh, be quiet and drive is a dynamic, dynamic song has like some like ebb and flow and stuff like that. And already right out the gate, like you're getting something kind of driving, slowed down parts. Like you're you're seeing a band that's like playing around a lot more. And this is as we would find out, like Chino plays quite a bit of guitar on this that you know you yep. may not have been aware of until you saw some videos and seen him live. I was like, oh, okay. yeah, it's like oh, you play guitar. <laughs> that's interesting. Um, so I'm starting, you know, right out the gate. I think like you're just seeing so much like the band finding who they are and the sound that they want to go after and. You know, it's already very obvious from the first song, not not being back to school, um, that there's something different about this record than any of the records the band had put out already. Absolutely. Um, one of my notes about this song was that it was a clear progression from Around the Fur. You can hear that there's that Around the Fur-esque guitar work, that, but it's evolved. It's something a little bit more refined and defined, as you said, as, you know, that really flangy kind of, wow 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 like yeah you know that sound but then you hear sort of pre the second verse i think that really atmospheric sound that is that really defines i think from this point on their later sound like when you hear it it, it just it has it's a sort of dark atmosphere which i i absolutely love that was what hooked me i'm like oh yeah oh yeah i like it i like this uh, Okay, round four is great, but this this shit is awesome. I love it. it yeah. Was, and I just love that. That's a running theme, I think, throughout the entire record. And that's what I really, really like about it. Very dark, atmospheric, kind of <clears throat> mysterious. I don't know how to describe it. I may be the drugs talk, talking. <laughs> What's um, funny, on their though. Part, on my part. <laughs> yeah, well, no, 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 no judgment passed here. Um, <laughs> what's interesting, though, too, is... You know, I had made mention on some of the like I know Frank, the their sample guy, was touring with the band on Around the Fur, um, but he would intermittently be on the stage helping. So it'd be like you know specific songs that he would be out there on. But this one is the first one I think where they really had him be involved with them in the studio, 
and it's so especially like listening to it like through the headphones i have on you just hear so much of what frank's doing and what he's added to the band on this record like from the get-go and he adds so much to the for the band and going forward he becomes such an integral part of the band and their sound because they just are able to and especially on this record starting on this record i should say there's so much room for for exploration and like letting there be room to breathe and letting things happen that aren't you know made by guitar or whatever that they really play around with on this and it just allows chino to do so much to like incorporate like his wide range of everything from screens to very like breathy lush vocals and stuff and i think like having frank on a lot of these songs adds another element to it um yeah i mean you want i mean you want to talk about it like being present really like from the get-go like the next song digital bath i mean yes it's probably one of the best drum intros ever <laughs> the exactly what i put yeah and i i wrote where were these drums recorded and how did they get this mix like everything's so perfectly yeah. mixed like it doesn't seem like this seems like one of those things and like this is where like me getting into production uh, and being kind of a production nerd, even though I don't know shit about production, <clears throat> like anyone who mm-hmm. listens to this podcast knows I don't really know anything about production in the in the practical sense. But um, it's one of those things where you can hear, like I feel like they maybe like tracked the snare, like just mm-hmm. like with a mic solely on that. Tracked the snare, like tracked the hi hat, tracked the snare separately, tracked everything individually, then like incorporated like just using a big room mic and doing stuff like that and it was one of those things where it's like i feel like it's such a blend of like a few different practices for recording drums and then they threw it together and it's just god damn like the kick drum the snare the hi-hat like every fucking thing about it sounds so great and then it's like then you have frank with like that little like thing going on in the background as well like it's just so atmospheric and like like this like i was saying like cheese bass like we talked about cheese bass tone last time it's so present like just so warm and shit and it's like everything they're doing right now like on this one song like i said it was like noticeable in the first song like here you are second song it sounds a little bit different than the first as far as tone and everything but like everything just complements each other so well and they're not like fighting for space it's almost like they're kind of figuring out like you can kind of lay back and just kind of create like a a space and a vibe in a jam and just kind of sit in on that for a little bit as opposed to you know what it is what's that john it's a warm digital bath. Ah. ah! That's what it is. It surrounds you. You're sitting in this bath and it's so, it's so, ah, uh, you just get, you get into the bath and it's fantastic. It's perfectly, it's just the perfect temperature. That's the song. That's why they called it that. Boom. Conspiracy. <laughs> right there. Well, I guess there's nothing more to be said. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's just epic. I love this is probably one of my my standouts on this record. Um, not knowing I had no idea that it was one of their singles. I didn't know that. I just loved it. That's all I knew. <laughs> I, I'm like the sleepy, sexy vocals and minimal guitar, but except the chorus is really epic. It's not very tech technical at any in any stretch of the imagination, but the atmosphere is so on. It is so. Um, you know, without sounding too fangirlish, like it, it's perfect in in every way, and it's the perfect warm digital bath. 
Done. Conspiracy. That's confirmed. All right. Well, it is. You need to contact them for a comment. Like, did you do this on purpose? How did you write it? Let us know. Very important. I mean, technically, having one person that's removed from the camp, I could maybe have him be like, yo, next time you're on tour, ask them this question and then let me know so I can throw it in and have like <laughs> some some behind the scenes scoop on it. Um, yeah. I think this is a really good the transition from Digital Bath to Elite. They, the band does this so much on this record. Uh, it's really interesting. Like they never kind of get stuck in that sense of like, OK, here's three or four tracks that are very you know, same pace, whatever. It's very like, here's kind of a slow song. Boom. Here's like a crushing, you know, song yeah. back into something kind of slower. Like it's very, like I said, like <laughs> that's why I said, like, it's, it's a very great album. It's a very good album for following a pattern. If you, if you uh, are throwing this on during your, uh, your lovemaking you're, session, you're lovemaking. <laughs> but I remember coitus. the first time, <laughs> yes, coitus. Uh, it was interesting. The first time I heard this song, if and back in the days of enhanced CDs, which no longer exist, um, but I remember throwing this on, and there was a video of the band in their practice space doing this song. And I watched. Oh, really? I used to be one of those people who would watch all the enhanced CD shit, and then I would listen to the CD. So I heard this song before hearing the song through oh. that video that's on the CD, and just being like getting chills because of Chino's voice, like on the song being like holy fuck like because i couldn't believe someone could sound like that <laughs> yeah and then seeing yeah. him do it and just the punishing you know riff it's just like everything's punishing about this and chino's vocals are no exception and like i said see that video of him doing it i was like i didn't know people could sound like that yeah uh without He's it being a studio terrible. effect and then when hearing the song as it is on record, it was just like, holy shit. Because uh, now yeah. everything's a lot cleaner and you can kind of discern the guitars and the vocals and such. Um, I still think that this is <laughs> this is just a, an altered head up riff. Um, <laughs> it's And like knowing how to play head up and knowing how to play this song on a guitar, like I know that I'm right. Um, but the funnier thing too, like as a guitar player there's sometimes like there's just things that happen on a record that make you just go like that that is the part that like you're just like fuck that's so cool and to me it was always coming out of the coming out of the last chorus going into the outro where steph just like lays in like a, a fucking next like next slide just <clears throat> and then goes back yeah. like that going back <laughs> into the riff if you play this song and you do that and then get right back into that like the the hit lead riff it's so fucking gratifying when you do it you're yeah. just like oh that, there it is <laughs> and i don't know why but it always puts a shitty grit on my face whenever i hear it i always get excited and i always smile like i'm smiling right now i'm like thinking about it <laughs> because i just fucking love little little nuances like that like how you were saying on i think it was uh on adrenaline about how you're like i love that he ended on a harmonic like just yeah. little little nuances like that just make these these fucking songs go from like like perfect to like oh how do, you, how do you just i wish i wrote that yeah and all it is is just like a like uh, a pick slide or whatever and you're just like oh it's so good uh my my best friend and i at the time we when we heard this this song specifically and i mean this is always this has been from even from adrenaline onwards, it's always been an issue with me that the, I, I have no idea what the hell Chino was saying. So I'm like, what is he saying? What is he screaming here? And she's like, man, she's, he's screaming something about a chunk. 
like a chunk. So for the for every time I hear the song, it's I hear when you're ripe, you beat like a chunk. Oh no! It's... I have no idea what that means. But a... he beats like a chunk, <laughs> and so I cannot unhear that. It is one of those misheard <laughs> lyrics, um, and I've got plenty with Chino. Um, this is the, one of those misheard lyrics that I laugh hysterically every time I hear the song. And it's not because it's a bad song. It's just because beat like a chunk. Like, what the hell does beat like a chunk mean? Nothing. Um, but, yeah. I have actually, I think it's when you're ripe. You'll bleed you'll out of control. bleed out of control or something like that, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. And what's funny is I always heard it before I looked at the liner notes. I always heard you'll be out of control when you're ripe. And I was like, okay, uh, like that still works too. But knowing with like the rest of it and like the... Uh, you know, you're pregnant, all that kind of shit. Obviously, it's it's you'll bleed out of control, and it's kind of as Chino typically does, uh, very sort of sexualized lyrics and creating kind of an interesting vibe. Um, yeah, but it's it's interesting to hear a song that's like so aggressive like this, but then like the lyrics don't really seemingly match <laughs> the, the vibe. Yeah, he writes uh, from a very sensitive place. Yeah, um, I, you know, he often writes about women he writes about um you know it's it's very very sexual which is great <laughs> it's just great uh, but it, it works in in complement to the music if it's heavy if it's slow if it's whatever so i think that's i, I think this whole record even when you're just saying about the whole love making thing it makes sense because it is a very sexy record from beginning to end um aside from fact school or sorry mini maggot um you know excluding that song it's a very very atmospheric sexy song uh record so that makes it makes sense but yeah the elite i think just uh closing off on that it's sonically is cra it's crazy heavy but it's probably also one of my favorite uh, riffs since my own summer um but i disagree in the sense that it's basically like head up. I don't think, I don't, I think it's it, it, just because it's, yeah, it's kind of like faster picking. It sounds, it's just, ah, it's, I like it better than head up in terms of. Oh, riff, for sure. Riffage, yeah. Riffage. It's much, much better. Um, yeah. And it, it's just such a, it, I, it's so, it's so funny because the misheard lyrics have really, ruin the song for me in a lot of ways <laughs> like because i can't stop laughing about this misheard lyric so it has a yeah anyway it's it's good of course it's great but you know beat like a chunk yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyways <laughs> uh on to uh our ex queen mm -hmm. um this is a song i'm just very very yeah, about um which just sucks because it's like the album starts off so good and then it's like you get to this and it's just kind of like eh, kind of lost some of the momentum to me um it's funny because like i feel like this is a song this is around the time you started hearing people say like oh chino and stuff are starting to fight about songs and so forth uh in the press mm -hmm. anyway and some of the tensions that were there i think you know with chino being more involved in the songwriting playing guitar and such um this seems like one that Chino would have brought the band, and then you just would have, he would have been like, I don't like this. I'm not, I don't want to do anything with this. This isn't what we are, or this isn't cool. And I also feel like, because I know while Frank was on the record, I know that there's like two songs that DJ Crook did the samples and such for. And I think this mm -hmm. is one of them. So indirectly, I think this is what starts 
the beginning process of a uh, team sleep becoming a thing i think oh right yeah okay um, makes sense i just always felt like this doesn't fit the vibe of the record to me and nope. i just am very whatever about it uh my only note was that it was a weird song very weird doesn't feel like i also said that didn't feel like it should be the fourth song on the record um the the original anyways um but I do love the ver the verse riff. It's kind of for some reason it just reminds me of something that you'd hear um, in a in a Tarantino movie or something like that. It has yeah. this kind of uh, dangerous vibe to it. I like I like it, um, but just the guitar. Like everything else, I could do without. <laughs> like the guitar is cool. It's I just don't think it belongs in that song personally. But yeah, um, a very strange song. I've always skipped skipped this song i'm like yep elite is good okay no going streetcar <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean sometimes i'll listen to it just because like i'm firm believer that sometimes maybe if you give a song another chance or just let it go then maybe there'll be something about it you find that you like and there's like yep. little things that i think are cool but as a whole like I, I just don't really care and i still tend to find myself just going like i'm just gonna skip this <laughs> mm -hmm. um, okay we're on the same page there yeah so yep. Skipping that song, <laughs> going, going to Streetcar. <laughs> <Sorry, guys. laughs> um, I always felt like Streetcar, speaking to the effect of like, uh, fuck, RX Queen being the song we skip, I also feel like this song was like a B-side leftover from Around the Fur. Yeah, that's it's, funny. It seems very straightforward. That's exactly what I, uh, that's, I said. Yeah. yeah, it seems too straightforward, like, kind of how Around the Fur was. It's very, like, A to B, not much, you know, like I said, like, with some of the other songs already having a lot of dynamics and, and different things going on within the song that they hadn't been doing. This just feels like such a, a basic setup song that would have been more indicative of, like, maybe we didn't finish this in time for Around the Fur, but, hey, we figured it, it out, and, and now let's throw it on this, because, like, we like the song. Oh yeah, but, no. I think that's very clear. That that that's exactly what I wrote. It's just it's a very uh, around the fur riff for me. The, around the fur, just in general, and like it's just very like it belongs on that record. Um, if they would have put this record, this song on that record, as opposed to like mascara or yeah. something like that, then they would have made oh, it would have been fantastic. But like it's a very very clear. Uh, that's an older song or something like that yeah yeah i don't know it it just feels like a leftover song to me so at that point i just never really i always kind of assumed that maybe it was but um i'm not sure it just it just feels like a leftover track that they threw on to because they had it done they liked it a little bit and maybe it helped fill the contractual obligation for the standards that this album needed to be like oh it has to be a certain amount of songs or a certain amount of yep. length time wise and mm -hmm. you know that's fine i think uh it's the interesting thing like as you kind of find out stories like that like that there are contractual obligations for like we this album needs to be 10 songs and it needs to be 60 minutes long or whatever um that you you can kind of start seeing when you go through a record you kind of start breaking down like okay maybe this was like a leftover song that wasn't finished maybe this was added just solely to like meet the obligation that this record needs to be a certain length one way Very or the other awesome. so yeah. definitely feel like this could have like it's a great song i just feel like in conjunction to the other things it's it still feels a bit off based on what's already been played on the record yep. 
Yeah, agreed. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, no, like that's exactly what I wrote. I was like, well, it's uh, it's great. It's I mean, but I don't think it really belongs on this record. Um, if you can say that about a song, I don't know. It's just it's still Deftones. It's yeah. very very Deftones. Yeah. Um. Anyway, teenager. I feel kind of yeah, about <laughs> this one too. Um, I wrote that I think this this and the uh, RX Queen were the the foundation for Team Sleep, and I feel like maybe in a weird thing where it's like when this record came out, I know Team Sleep was like a thing that people knew was gonna come into existence, and I think the record came out maybe a year or year and a half later. Um, and I just feel like sometimes maybe like this would have been a thing where it's like, oh, if we put these on, people like it. Oh, I got this new I got this new band, Team Sleep. It's coming out. If you like these two songs, like, well, you know, it was me and Crook doing them, and he's in the band, and it's going to have this kind of vibe. And I feel like maybe it's just like a weird setup for this other thing that you're going to roll out with, like, down the road. <laughs> and it's not it's not to say that Deftones haven't done songs like this on other records that I like more, but mm-hmm. I feel like... I feel like more. Yes, I feel like I'm in a digital bath. <laughs> um, I can do this all day. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I just feel like it's one of those things for me where I don't really, I don't feel like it fits this record, and maybe it's because like the ebb and flow of this album so far, I just don't think this fits where it goes. It just kind of like loses like from the the straight ahead nature of Streetcar to this. I just feel like you kind of lost a little bit of the momentum going. Mm. And I don't know, I just feel like... Now, the funny thing is on the B-Sides and Rarity album, there's a version, like a live version of this done with a band. Uh, not the, not Chino and the Deftones, but Chino and like another band that was covering the song. And Chino decided oh. to like do the song with them. Oh. And so it adds a, a completely different vibe to it because it's, it's all real instruments doing everything. Right. And I think I like that version... But I still am very eh about it as a whole. But <laughs> I think I like it when it's not so digitized and drum drum machines and samples and shit like that. I think I like that version better. Oh yeah, okay. Um, y- yeah, I, I and I also think too that you know we as fans we should definitely give um, musicians like the, our favorite bands or musicians or whatever very a lot of leeway to to experiment with whatever they need to experiment with. Um, even if like I'm still going to support them regardless, but like I mean, these are two songs that are clearly not what I like about the Deftones. Um, it seemed like a very Chino-driven thing, which I think is fine, um, of course. But it's it's you know it, it was like okay, these are like Rx Queen and Teenager are two songs that I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Um, which I I perfectly support you know a lot of experimentation because I myself have had to deal with that too, where people are like, what the hell is this? I'm like. I, can I not do things that are, you know? Um, so I think that it's fine. It needs to happen. It needs to be experimented with and whatnot. But um, it, it, it was a, I feel like it's kind of like a background song for me. Yeah. It's not something that I would actively listen to. No. Um, which it, there are, there are times where I want to just listen to something that is in the background and like not something that I can, you know, just just be there but it's not on this record it doesn't make sense it's like this is a this is a record that i want to eat up 100 percent and be digitally bathed with um <laughs> so bathed in i guess digitally bathed in let's say um and i, I feel like those two songs are kind of not songs that i would want to bathe in let's let's be real okay oh. um 
songs that maybe you do want to be bathed in. Uh, knife party. <laughs> um, I don't really know that you want to bathe in a knife party, but. No, no, don't want to do that. <laughs> don't want to do that. Uh, and I always get confused, like, because you, you know there's a band called Knife Party too, right? No, I didn't. There is a band called Knife Party, and I'm like, hey, now which came first? Was it the band or the song? Because now every time I hear Knife Party, I'm like, okay, clearly you, like, you can't couldn't just come up with that. I don't know where you would have come up with something like that unless you are a Deftones fan. So I'm, I'm wanted to, I'm, that's one thing that I'm going to actually research. And that was one of the things that I was researching. I'm like, do they know about the Deftones? Did they get that name from them? And anyway. And what did you find? Besides the point. Uh, I didn't. I, that's what I was, when you called, I was still looking. Uh, so I was like, ah, damn it. But <laughs> we'll get, we'll, we'll talk about that one in, in uh, next month, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I'll let you go first with this because I feel like the um, other thing too when I was listening back is like because we have such similar notes it's usually me just going like on with my notes and you're like yep same <laughs> that, that's what I said so oh. uh, well really just my first note was that about the the, the name being uh, of another band um, but I, I just I, I love this song because it's so it's so fucking catchy <laughs> it's so ca- like there's just like, but bizarre at the same time. You're like, what the hell is he talking about? Like, what is, is it like a, a fight? Are we talking about a fight here? Um, um, and one of the things that I really like about it too is that every musician that, um, that has took part in this shows their greatness in equal parts, if that makes sense. Like it just all comes together in such a perfectly balanced way, um, but then there's this. And, and, and as a side note to that, um, at the moment, I've been asked to do uh, to try out for this uh, Pink Floyd tribute band, mm-hmm. and one of the songs they wanted me to do was "A Great Gig in the Sky," and when I heard, I, I'm not a Pink Floyd Pink Floyd fan, so I didn't know anything about the song. So when I put it on. I'm like, holy shit, like, the Deftones totally ripped this off. It, it's 100% exactly what is being done in Knife Party. It's like, I was like, okay. So basically, there's a woman wailing throughout this entire song, and they've basically done the exact same thing, but, like, with Chino singing over top of it. I'm like, that, that to me, is exactly the same. Um, and people would probably disagree with me on that one, but um, it, to me, is... I, I, every time I'm trying to learn the Pink Floyd song, I end up singing Knife Party instead or <laughs> wailing Knife Party instead. So I'm like, ah, damn it. I wish I heard the first one. Like, I wish I'd heard Pink Floyd first. But anyways, um, I, 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 I like this song. It's not one of my favorites. Um, but it, I, I do think that it, it's, it's one of those perfectly balanced songs um, in a lot of ways. And I think that it does define a more white pony sound as opposed to more around the first sound that we'd seen with some other songs earlier. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much it. No, it's funny. We have, again, very similar notes. I wrote, uh, love everything <laughs> about this song. The shift in the, in the dynamics between the clean and dirty guitars, which is something that we really haven't seen the band do a whole lot, uh, at least like with the same chord progressions um going from like a <clears throat> slightly like dirty like tone to a full-on distorted uh typical deftones guitar tone like guitar attack it's uh 
really one of the first songs I can think of outside of, I mean, because even like with uh, Be Quiet and Drive, like it sounds like a dissonant kind of tone to the guitar, but really it's just, you know, with the flange effect and stuff like that. So like it's an effect. This is literally just, you know, clean to distorted, uh, done really well to kind of give the song a different shift in dynamics that, you know, haven't really seen in that regard much of the, the band doing at that point. Um, yeah. The structure as a whole, I think is great. I think, you know, like when you get to the bridge, I don't really know that, the band previously up until this record would have really given given a song this much time to breathe and, and really set up something um so i mean i think that kind of goes to show the the mature nature of like them in their songwriting and being comfortable to like let something breathe and kind of have its space before like not being like okay well that needs to end because we have to have you know the song be like three and a half this, minutes or whatever this yeah formula. Um, yeah yeah I wrote, like, because of the build-up at the bridge, I feel like this show is the best of the Deftones range between melody, memorable drums, riffs, all that kind of stuff. Like, I feel like it's a very, it's it's very much like how I said, like, with uh, the first track off this record. I feel like this is a band that's figuring out what they can do, that they can kind of, like, venture off into these, like, different sonic territories, and it's okay, and that they're good at it, and it doesn't need to yeah. just be brutal all the time like you can have a little bit of restraint on what you're playing and it actually mm -hmm. adds more to like you know the classic cliche thing like sometimes it's what you're not playing that yeah is makes the song as opposed to just overplaying um and yeah and i think i yeah i agree 100 it, it they they really brought it to a, a really, really high level and met each other in this perfect harmony, this perfect storms, perfect knife party. Um, <laughs> as I, I actually just Googled it quickly. Yeah, it's going to be one of those days. Uh, I just Googled it quickly. The, the band Knife Party did indeed get their name from the Deftones song. Well, there we go. Well, they're not a band, actually. They're like a drum and bass duo or something like that. Oh, okay. Um, from Australia, and they did get it their name from uh, from them. So, anyway, I that's a little trivia. <laughs> um, the next one, Korea. Yep. I remember the first time I heard this, I was like, "Holy fucking shit!" This is the most disgusting riff I have ever heard. <laughs> Like, ugh. it's now I've seen the band live do this song a couple of times and I'm still not sure if, because based on how it sounds like the tuning of this, this song, I feel like Steph's using the seven string. Cause I know he was using, he had started using seven strings on this record mm -hmm. and I feel like this is definitely a seven string song. Maybe oh, not yeah. necessarily in the in the sense of like what he would start doing with like the seven and eight strings where he's kind of more riding the the low the low A or the low B, whatever they're tuned to when he's in they're in seven string. Um mm -hmm. where he just kinda of like rides that note as like more of like a, a an extra like bass kind of driven like line. But this riff, just the, the percussive nature of his riff to me like around this time i know like steph was like well one of the reasons i started playing seven strings was because of this band mashuga which i had actually seen them around this time because uh they opened for tool and i saw them open for oh, tool and yeah. i fucking hated mashuga when i saw him because i didn't get it what well i saw him in an arena and okay, at the yeah. time <laughs> at the time eight string guitars weren't 
like they weren't as readily available as they've become now and so as as such uh almost everything that the band was doing with sugar that is they like made their own guitars they you know you like made their own pickups and shit because like no one was making those and yeah. they weren't very popular so the idea of going to like an esp or an ibanez or whatever and be like you'll make me one would have been so fucking outrageously priced uh but the flip side of that was a lot of sound people didn't know how to mix them because it was just they were tuned so low and yeah. then like you know you throw in a bass player at the time they had a bass player um because there's a, a stint there where they did not have one um it i just remember it being like such a wall of noise that i was like what the fuck is this like this is yeah. garbage and <laughs> the singer God. looks the singer looks fucking weird which he still does but it's i i appreciate it now like it adds a whole dynamic to the band that makes it even some songs even scarier and creepier um oh i've actually never seen the singer hold on gotta 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 do it um <laughs> because they're from sweden right yeah i believe so yeah they're from sweden from omeo Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. But yeah, the dude's like, super brutal, like bald head, kind of tall, does a lot of like what I call roller coaster motions, like where he like puts his head, like hands straight in front of him and just kind of like starts moving like and kind of like arching his back a little bit. So I'm always like, looks like you're riding like an, an imaginary roller coaster. <laughs> uh, but the funny thing is like, I can look back on, on that album that I saw him on, which I believe was a new millennium site, or that was a song Whoa. on, uh, I think they were on Chaos Sphere around that time that I saw Chaos him. Chaos yeah. And... I look back now and I'm like a, such a huge fan of that band and just what they're able to do with, I mean, like one of their biggest songs is bleed off of uh, the record OBS and, and it's like a fucking like nine or 10 minute long song. And it's just disgustingly crushing very much like Korea is. But the thing that I yeah. learned being into like, you know, music, I'm not the greatest guitar player in the world, but like I pay attention to shit and I'm always like fascinated by things that, mm -hmm. that song literally is just, that like the two guitar players holding and like a half bend like half bending one note at like i don't even know like probably like 220 bpm just like real so like like it's amazing when you see them how they play it you're just like that's it that's what you jesus christ it's all your fucking right hand doing it like that's what's really making the song is just mm -hmm. the attack on on the guitars and yeah. doing the homework and having like going and listening to Meshuggah and stuff like that, which is, I mean, from this point forward is like one of Steph's like biggest inspirations on like writing riffs. This is one of those songs where it's like, yeah, okay. I can hear the Meshuggah like vibe that you're after on this song. It's just disgustingly yeah. heavy. It's a very simple riff, but it's played with just such force and attack that you, it's just brutal. And Cheeto on it, like, matches Gosh. the intensity and you're just like oh, yeah. jesus christ and sometimes it's like i wish the band would go down this route more and just get like i mean there's always like typically one song from here on out that's just so disgustingly heavy that you're just like okay oh. you got it oh yes <laughs> but <laughs> it, it satisfies your your you know bone crushing guitar um needs so yeah and i just don't know it's weird because like steph's like side project thing that he does um kind of delves into more sonic landscapes like this like just really crushing riffs and stuff like that but i don't know like sometimes i wonder if a band was just solely like shit like this if i'd get really bored because there's not the dynamics oh, yeah. so oh, as much yeah. as i love shit like this i think it's because like these <clears throat> songs are so far and few between that that's what really makes mm -hmm. them special it's just mm -hmm. 
Like, oh, do you, I know he makes like really pretty music, but by the way, we can still fucking beat you over the head with some shit too, and we're, oh, we're, we're brutal it, as fuck. <laughs> and that's what you like. That's what I like. That's, that's what the great things about that, the Deftones. But that exact reason that they have so much versatility in their songwriting, and they are still, they can throw down, man. They can throw down when they need to. Um, and I love them for that because, you know, it does get boring. I can't listen to, you know, bone crushing guitar over and over every single song. It gets boring. It's super boring for me anyways. Um, you know, and that's one thing I love about them. It's so rare that you have a, a metal band or quote unquote metal band that's willing to do that and not be afraid of the consequences because sometimes metalheads can be told friggin' assholes and they're like, oh, it's not heavy. Oh, I can't listen to it. And you're like, really? <sighs> okay. Yeah, that was my rant. End rant. <laughs> um, um, yeah, and I basically said the same thing about Korea. It's heavy as fuck. And it, it's, it's probably some of the, the like best chorus work that I've heard since Lotion. Yeah. Um, so it's just ah, it's amazing. I, the last note I wrote on this, and it's it, 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 really applicable going into Passenger, I wrote that from, I love the dynamic shift of going from something as kind of like pretty and, and dynamic as Knife Party into something that's just so straightforward bludgeoning, like, <laughs> and then going into the weird atmospheric, like, like the, the, the buildup in the intro for Passenger. I don't oh, think, yeah. I don't think that's really anything the band had really done like like i said the band figured out like to kind of start letting spots breathe and let them kind of like come like unfold naturally as opposed to like rushing to get there and i feel like that's something whenever you listen to a band that's got a, a long discography and you can see like a progression of of change no pun intended uh <laughs> over the course is great. <laughs> uh is that uh i definitely feel like I don't think you would have seen the band take, you know, almost, I think it's like, what, 30, 40 seconds to just, or maybe even almost a minute to set up the song. I definitely don't think you would have seen that on Around the Fur or Adrenaline. I, I don't think the band knew how to do that, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I, did you notice that the, the beginning of the song, though, sort of talking about that, that lead up, uh, there's like that psyching up. Psyching, mm -hmm. like Chino psyching himself up again. Uh, like at the very beginning of Around the Fur, he did the same thing. It's like this little, like, okay, uh, I'm going to do this. This I, I love that. I love that. It's like this, um, one of those nuances, like you were talking about earlier, um, that you're like, okay, yeah, this song is going to be great because it's like Around the Fur is a great song. Um, and, you know, he's psyching himself up to sing it. Um, I love that. Oh, my God. Every time I heard it, I'm like, oh. So good but um yeah just one of those little things that probably no one else cares about but every time i hear it it makes me happy <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm gonna really nerd out on background information on this song that i've okay. i've learned over the years um, um so one of the things because this song sounds completely different than any song on this record uh in in approach in just everything like it has its you could almost like time seal this one as or like time lock whatever the fuck word I'm looking for, um, <laughs> that this song is, is definitely unique unto itself compared to the rest of the, the writing. And something I had read a long time ago, like in a guitar world, I think, um, was that Steph was talking about how 
they had the song and it sounded pretty similar to um how the final version of the song sounds on the record but he was saying like you know we were we thought it kind of had like a tool like a, it definitely had a manner kind of vocal pattern like it would have had like that he would be good on it so when we reached yeah. out to him he came to the studio while we were working on it and recording it and stuff like that and he goes you know i was trying to figure out like you know i feel like it's got like a tool vibe but like i just you know we can't get it there and uh maynard and i'm probably gonna fuck up the time signatures but um maynard basically was like okay like so if you're playing this in like four four you need to slow it down and play it like six four or like you just got to change the 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 meter that it's in like the time signature yeah just yeah, slow it yeah. down a little bit and then that adds that uh-huh. groove and it adds the vibe that makes it sound like a tool song he goes because all tool songs really are like standard you know t- like tempos but then we like mm-hmm. kind of flip them and make it a little bit odd so it sounds it sounds right but it still has a weird feeling to it like you're like this isn't yeah. typical 4/4 but it almost sounds like it like there's just like yeah. that, that thing so Steph was like you know he showed us how to basically write a tool song and then once we kind of changed the the time signature of it like it it became what it is now and how it right. sounds and so it's interesting that you know, I don't really think of Maynard, you know, this is on me. I don't really think of Maynard as much of, like, a great musical being because, uh-huh. like, he always is surrounded with such great players that I always, like, with a perfect circle, I know that Billy, the guitar player and producer of the first Meridian Alms and I think even 13th Step, he wrote most of that shit without Maynard. So it's, no, like, to me, yeah. like, knowing that. As far that, as I know, he, he, like, he came to him and said, yeah. listen, I have this, I have this everything is pretty much done i just need a voice yeah yours in particular (laughs) and i know like in tool like it's you know the three dudes like between dana carey and uh adam jones and i think justin chancellor uh is still the bass player um Mm -hmm. that it's typically those three writing and arranging everything and then kind of giving it to maynard i think like when it's close to being done uh so he can start writing melodies and such so I mean, it's like I don't typically think of Maynard as being one of those musicians that's like so well versed in music that he can he could do something like that, like come to the Deftones and be like, "Yo, you like you need to switch this this time signature up a little bit," and that's what'll give it you know the sound you're looking for to to match what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I thought that was really interesting uh, that Maynard was able to come in and, and shape the song and make it what it is because it definitely is like I said it's. I don't see Deftones don't really play around much with like time signature stuff like this, not like this. Um, nope. So it was interesting to find out that it, it was from Maynard, not like they were just kind of fucking around, like, hey, let's play in something different or let's have a key change or, you know, something like that. Like it literally was Maynard coming in, kind of like giving him like the secret sauce formula. And being yeah, like, no, here's like, how you do it. That's very interesting that um, he'd be willing to, 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 to divulge that. But anyway. Uh, the other thing was uh, that I wrote was I feel like this, like, you know, with Korea being very Meshuggah influence based on the tone and like the, the attack on the guitar and how it sounds. I wrote that. I feel like this is also very indicative of like what a Meshuggah riff would be like. It's so minimalistic, mm-hmm. but it's about the attack on it and the group, like what you, you as the player are throwing into it and like bringing out of yourself. Cause I mean, really this is a bar chord with a, uh, just a single, like almost like a slightly trem picked uh, single note, throwing over it. It's it's yep. so it's such a rudiment guitar riff, but again, it's not what's being played; it's how it's being played. 
And mm-hmm. I think, like I said, like I've said several times on this record, I think that it is so indicative of how much growing the band has done to just let parts be and let them breathe and like really jamming out. And I think maybe that's like a result of like, I know recently the band has said like a lot of times when they record, they, they have song ideas, but typically they just go to their like headquarters or their practice spot and they just literally jam. Like someone's got a riff, someone's got whatever. And they just build off of things. Like they write songs the way I feel like bands should write songs. You get in a fucking room and you fucking jam it out. You don't like, I understand like if you don't live in the same area or whatever, like people don't anymore that you send files and it's like, Hey, here's this thing I'm working on. Oh, cool. I'll program some drums to it or whatever. Like, and I'm sure the Deftones do do that at this point. Maybe, but this, this sounds like a song that like, Steph would have gotten in the studio or like in their practice spot, jam this riff. Abe starts laying down some drums. Everyone does their thing and builds it. And it just has a natural organic structure to me. Like it sounds like everything is as it's supposed to be. Nothing plays too long. Nothing's cut too short. It's perfect. And yep. it's one of those where uh, I I think the the simple nature of Meshuggah in their song arrangements comes through very much so on this song, in my opinion. And even Abe's complimentary drums. Cause I mean, like this could be a song where a typical drummer might be like, Oh man, I'm going to like play a fuckload of fills. And like, you're giving oh, me, yeah. you're, you're giving me room to explore. And instead like Abe being the great drummer, he is shows a lot of restraint and just plays like a very less is more. Yeah. Keep it the, you know, kiss, keep it simple, stupid um (laughs) like that's what this song is and then to even on top of that everything complements itself so well that sometimes when you have two singers that are similar in nature vocal wise it it kind of is like it's almost like you didn't really need the other person and on this like chino and maynard just complement each other so well vocally and complement the music so well like it's just this is like to me like if you want to be like okay band songwriting 101 like how do you like work with other people fuck it throw this on start dissecting it and being like look at what everyone's doing by not doing yeah like, yeah because i mean like I the, that, vocals, uh, the vocals the vocals could have taken over and like you know everything everything could have gone so wrong if anyone just kind of like wanted to showcase themselves a little bit more and then, like I said, and have said to death, it's what's not being played on this and it's what's not being done that makes this song just so good. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's, um, uh, I wrote that, I, I don't really think that their styles are very similar, actually. Like, I mean, it's very, it's breathy kind of singing, but um, Maynard is a much better vocalist than, than Chino is, in a, in, but in a different way. Like, he has a much, he's much more control over his voice. I think that Chino is never going to be able to sing at the level that Maynard is, but it, like Chino's got his own thing, which is very distinct and whatnot. I don't think Maynard could cover a Deftone song in like in the same way. If you don't understand where I'm going, I don't think they're really that similar. I think it's, but it's a contrast between two different approaches to singing um, that complement each other so very well. Um, this is this really interesting dialogue going between the two of them that I think is just magic. Like you can't, you, you can't teach that. It's just, it's so perfect from, from beginning to end. And I don't think Chino could do the chorus like Maynard does it. Like, it's just, 
It's just incredible. I was like, oh my god, no! This is so good. I thought it couldn't get any better. But right. then Song 10 came on. Oh my lord. Um, but it is just hands down one of the best tracks on this record. It's like, it's incredible. I think like... Um, and every time I... Sorry, sorry. Every time I hear it, it reminds me of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. <laughs> and um, and I'll explain why. It just, you know, in the in the movie, anyway, and in the book as well, um, Hunter S. Thompson says something about throwing the windows down. He wants to feel the air on his face or whatever. Mm-hmm. And every time I hear it, it um, I hear the song, I think of that. And I'm wondering, if did he get that influence from that, that quote or... I don't know if you found that in your research or anything. I should probably look that up. Um, that's what I was trying to find. I'm like, was that? Did he get that from Fear and Loathing, or is it like totally unrelated? Or I don't know. But um, anyway, Actually, it's funny, and I haven't thought like I just literally thought of this as you said that. Uh, you, what you just said. What's interesting to me is obviously White Pony, uh, and it's no secret that the band and, and specifically Chino were heavily on drugs, uh, coke especially and a bunch of other <laughs> shit uh I, I mean as far as by all accounts that's pretty much where white pony the name came from um yeah. so it's funny that the bands basically put all their branding on a fucking drug reference but that <laughs> whatever has it been done has it been done before i mean <laughs> yeah um yeah. but with that being said like the hunter s thompson thing no one really knows where and you know it's it's always a speculation between Deftones fans uh, what lyrics mean between Chino and really with Tool as well. I mean, I remember yeah. seeing a DVD of Tools uh, or something, an interview with Maynard nonetheless, where he was like, "Oh, I don't do a record if there's not at least one song about anal sex. Like every fucking oh, record wow. I've ever put out, there's always one song that basically that's what it's about." So then when you kind of <laughs> like go and again, he might be fucking with you because I remember. I think it was around the time Anima came out. He, they were talking about this whole like, this whole concept of, and I'm probably gonna fuck up the the pronunciation or how I say it or whatever. But I think I remember it being called like Laramie, L A R A M I E, and it was like this whole thing based around like crying. And it was, I don't remember. I just remember like reading about this thing. And like some of the sites, like the things that they were like, oh, you could go read, you know, about it on this. And I went and like was reading about it. I'm like, what the fuck is this all about? Like, how does this apply to like this song that he was talking about or whatever that he references? And then like I realized like Maynard and those dudes just like to fucking troll their fans and like send them on a wild goose chase about dumb shit that doesn't (laughs) either doesn't exist or has nothing to do with anything so that you can try to draw allusions to whatever you want. Um, And same thing, like Chino has a... I mean, people can talk about whatever they are all they want, but it's funny because taking, like, as you were saying, like, you know, under the microscope of a Hunter S. Thompson thing uh, with that line, I'm wondering, like, okay, like, when you do drugs and maybe you're you're a passenger in your own on your own trip, like, you get all fucked up and you're you literally, like, if you, like, I mean, I've taken hallucinogenics and shit and it's like, once you take them, like, you're in for the ride, like, you, <laughs> till it's done, you, you're, you're, you're in it. So it's like, maybe, like, in regards to you know white pony and doing being on a bunch of drugs and shit like that maybe it's like okay like you know this is a, a weird allusion to being a passenger either a to your own life to your own drug trip like whatever i mean look at a song like uh uh fuck it's like the first track nice to know you off of uh make your yeah uh, not make yourself uh, off of uh, um, morning view good. by incubus uh-huh. 
it's oh, like great. that whole song started because Brandon like was laying on his arm and he fell asleep. And then so he was like talking like the whole song is basically about like the feeling you get, like the pins and cushions you get when you like cut off the circulation to your arm and shit like that. Like that's basically the basis of the song. And it's like, okay, so you made a whole song and it, you know, you can reference whatever you think it's about. But like when he's like, oh yeah, that's where the inspiration for the song came. So in this regard, it's like, okay, you get two dudes who, like, I, I know, like, to take drugs and shit, especially around this time, and it's like, who's to say maybe that's not what it's about? Or, Absolutely. you know, even, like, the thing, like, with uh, Fear and Loathing, it's like, you have people in the book, I haven't read the book, but at least in the movie, who are sometimes there, um, sometimes not, and, yeah. you know, maybe they're, they are a passenger on your trip as well, even if they're not aware of it, or things like that so it's like i'm wondering now like looking at the song in a completely different way that i've never thought of where it's like okay yeah. maybe it's a, it's a, a weird allusion to being on a drug trip and you're just the passenger which is essentially it. what that whole book and movie is about it's yeah. just them driving in a car high as fuck on drugs and just and, and that's immediately what i thought of when i first heard the song because i was such a huge fan of that of Hunter S. Thompson specifically, as well as the movie, I'm like, did they write this about that song? And I, I would love to ask him, like, okay, what what the hell is it about? Is it about fear loathing? Is it about drugs? Because clearly, it has to be. If just given what we know about their affinity for drugs, mm -hmm. <laughs> so you know, I don't know. I'll, uh, I'll speaking the last last comment on this song, and it doesn't have anything excuse me, to do with this song on the record, it's the song as a live staple. Mm -hmm. I fucking hate that he grabs so many people to do Maynard's part in a live setting. <laughs> and almost everybody doesn't know doesn't know the parts, doesn't know the lyric. Like, if you look up uh, Haley Williams from uh, Paramore doing it, it's cringeworthy. What? She yeah. did it? She's, he's really? done it? Yeah, he's done it with Haley from Paramore. He's done it with... Uh, Tim from Rise Against on this tour a couple times. Um, there's there's so many videos of them doing this song with like other vocalists doing Maynard's part, and it's always like, ugh, please stop. <laughs> like, You're I, ruining it. <laughs> it really does. It really ruins oh, it for I'm sorry me. Sorry to hear that. So it's I'm I'm ready for that to be like, if it means you don't play this song anymore live, like fucking do that. Then I would rather have not have people who don't don't sound like Maynard in any way, shape, or form. Don't seemingly know the uh the song or where the vocals are supposed to go it just everything Ugh. about it's like you can just what stop shame. that yeah what a shame um i've never <laughs> seen them perform it live to be honest and i've seen them now uh five times four or five times um sorry i've seen them two three times since white pony came out never seen them play it um which is unfortunate but yeah i i I feel like that's something like you need to have a really skilled singer to be able to sing that like properly. Can't just be anybody. And Haley Williams is a great, is a great singer, yeah. but like it needs to be. She didn't have the, yeah. mature, to me, she didn't have the mature sounding vocal to, to yeah, do it. It like, sounded too kitty. Yeah. She's a very high, like a very high register. So I don't understand how that would have worked, but yeah. cause was, he, he's got a very strong yes. uh, voice. Um, yeah. Her voice is strong too, but in a different way. Uh, but anyway. Yeah. Um, so going into what I would like to see them do with this song, uh, going into change. Mm-hmm. Change, change having other singers sing that and by not doing that anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
this this is one of those and i feel like this is something that a lot of people that are maybe i'll just say 10 years just to be safe i feel like this is something that people 10 years older than 10 years younger i'm sorry 10 years younger than us won't really get this this song is so heavily wrapped up in the video to me like the the heavily saturated colors of greens on the wall the sun shining through the cross in the background during the the bridge of this song like just the iconic imagery of this video is so ingrained in my head when i hear this like i can't like i'm like i just i'm closing my eyes like i can see everything in this video like the weird masks at the party you know it's so ingrained with this song and it's so weird because those visuals complement the song really well but in a way they don't because I don't think of like I do kind of think, like I, I wrote that this is a very slow and sexy song it's very moody huge bass lines and Frank again oh, adding yeah. a blanket of sounds to really make you feel lulled into a safe safeness before a chorus that just punches you and it's oh, like yeah. like okay like it was really weird when I was writing that and I was listening to the song before I called you for this I've never done heroin ever I, I never will it like and, and follow me with this for a second and okay, it's very weird right. it's very weird that i had this th- thought to myself and we just were talking about hunter s thompson and a bunch of drugs and the white pony and all that kind of stuff so i thought it really ties in but it was a weird thought i had where i have I, biographies are like one of my favorite like genres of books to read um oh, yeah so and typically mu- music biographies and such so I have a lot of cautionary tales sitting on my bookshelf to like to my left with people who like the heroin diaries and you know a bunch of other okay. books about people who did heroin and and the experiences of them like talking about what it feels like and what's really weird and I don't know if Chino ever has done heroin I don't know if that was like a drug of choice for anyone in the band um mm-hmm. I haven't really ever heard of anything like that but what's really weird is like everyone always talks about like there's like kind of the sharp pain of like if you're you know obviously shooting up heroin of the needle but then like everyone talks about how warm and how like just secure you feel like uh like you know like being like embraced by like you know like your parents or whatever like a mother's embrace like it's a warm calming sensation and then like Mm -hmm. sometimes you'll have like bad trips or whatever and then like it's a sudden jolt like holy shit like and what was weird is i feel like yeah and i go i feel like that's kind of what changes in a music it's it's like musical heroin sort of like it's very slow and calming and then like frank adds like those like dissonant sounds, like the the ethereal sounds in the background then the bass line comes in and the drum's not super like aggressive it's very calming and everything just feels good and puts you into this like false sense of like security or whatever but then when the chorus hits like it's kind of abrupt and it kind of hits in a different way than i think a lot of the other songs do and it was really weird i was just like i feel like maybe that like when i think about it it's like that's kind of how i feel like people have referred to like what heroin feels like for them when they when they do it and so it was a really weird thing where i was like oh it's kind of weird i feel like i feel like maybe this is like the same vibe i would get like maybe this is what musically heroin feels like i don't know it was a really fucking weird feeling or weird weird thought and as i was listening to it that's just something i kept latching onto. i was like this this is weird why am i thinking about this (laughs) why am i thinking more about drugs yeah i guess i don't know (laughs) Uh, that's really, it's a very, that's a very interesting observation. I actually, this is, this is related, I swear to God, but, um, I happened to turn on uh, CBC radio, which is like the, the sort of federal, uh, radio station here. Yeah. 
and they had a musicologist or music scientist or something like that who was breaking down Justin Timberlake's songs. Okay. And Justin apparently is very good at making his lyrics fit um, the musical um, yeah. sort of ups and downs, musical mm-hmm. dynamics of this, like complementing them. So when he when he says things like move or or jump or whatever, the the music is will complement that. And I find that that Chino does the same as well, especially with the fact that he's talking about change and things kind of about to change each time. Like it's very, it's interesting, especially when he's like, I want to change in you. And it's like this punch in your face when you're, when you're listening, you're like, Whoa, okay. So I can't remember exactly what the term for that in musicology is or whatever it's called. Um, but it, it's, it's like, musical lyrical accenting or something like that and he's a he's a master at doing that and i never noticed it until i heard this podcast of this musical just talking about justin timberlake and his songs and i'm like every time now i listen to a justin timberlake song i hear it i'm like oh wow he's actually do he's consciously doing or maybe not consciously i don't know he's conscious consciously changing the music like his lyrics to to fit the peaks and valleys of of his songs um and it's just brilliant i was like oh my god that's great and then i realized that the deftones do it too mm-hmm. um and, and especially in this song so. well do you okay speaking to that it's not something i've noticed per se but it was a comment i was going to make on this song uh but have you noticed that any of the songs that chino does it on does those that vocal style on are the ones that he is playing guitar with on so he's kind of mimicking what, like, if you really watch, he, his vocals mimic, like, his his strumming patterns a lot. So, like, think of, like, Knife Party. Like, it's just really, like, kind of writes his lyrics for it. So, like, my not, like, it follows his strumming pattern. Yeah. I and if you think of, like, Change, he kind of does it, too. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's kind of like yeah. a stutter, like, like, so there's yeah. kind of your vocal pattern, sort of. Like, I, I wonder how much mm-hmm. of that is because, like, like I've been trying to play, learn, relearn how to play drums, like, and I was never very good to begin with, but I have a drum kit now, mm-hmm. so fuck it, why not? But I realize, like, <laughs> my right hand, if I'm hitting, like, a cymbal or something, kind of sometimes will match up with my, my kick drum, like, my kick foot. And so sometimes I think singers who are also guitar players sometimes do the same thing, like, they'll match their singing to their strumming patterns, and I don't know if people are aware of that. Or yeah, if it's just one of those could... things like that's what you're keeping your, your pace with because like you got to keep time. So it's easy to just like kind of dumbs it down a little bit to be like, okay, I can strum and sing this because it all is natural progressions kind of. Yeah. I mean, it very, very well could be uh, as a result of him having to, you know, concentrate on playing guitar and singing at the same time. I always, whenever we're watching him playing guitar, he looks so uncomfortable. Like it doesn't look natural for him it looks like he's like really trying hard to make sure that he does everything correctly and and i'm like oh i feel bad for him i'm like because sometimes as a guitar player just watching him do it it makes it you're like oh god like don't play if it makes you so anxious but I, like i think he's kind of and i say suffers in a very earnest way it's not like super like like i don't mean it to be like oh it's because he ha- like feels like he has to stand still but like rod stewart if you ever I'm a pretty big Rod Stewart fan from my mom and my dad uh, loving him. Okay. And I remember watching the MTV Unplugged of Rod Stewart, and it's 
a great unplugged. But the thing is, is he, if you've ever seen him live, he likes to run around. He is a a front man in every sense of the word, like yeah. running all over the stage, inter- getting everyone hyped up, interacting with his band. And when he was on the unplugged, like there's even a thing where he was like, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm not used to sitting here. And like to the point where like half the show, he's like on the edge of his seat moving around and like... You can tell, like, he doesn't sit still very well. He's very much like me. I, I fucking hate sitting still. And <laughs> I feel like the thing with Chino is, like, because on, like, Swerve City and stuff like that, when you go see him live, when he doesn't need to be on the microphone all the time, he's fucking running around with that guitar. Oh, and, yeah. like, jamming out. And it's like, I think that's the problem. He wants to run around. And, like, when you're playing a song like this, like, you have to sit there. And you have, like, it, it requires you to be in in Total the space concentration mode. Yeah. yeah and it's like i feel like it's not necessarily that it's awkward i feel like he just wants to fucking move and it's like no i totally get it's it possible yeah so i think that's yeah you're just seeing more of like a restraint on his part where it's like i just want to go fucking nuts and uh, like the AD, yeah, like the I, hyperactive nature of himself yeah i would say he's probably a pretty hyperactive guy i i but the times that i've met him he's never He's been very, very docile and not like that at all. So I was like, okay, this is so weird. I don't know what to think. But uh, but I always just felt that he, yeah, I mean, it could very well be that he doesn't like to be constrained and be like standing in one place all the time. But um, to me, it just looked like he was really concentrating and making sure that everything was sort of going in the right way um, and progressing at the right, at the right you know, changing at the right time and blah 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 which i can totally empathize with um singing and singing and playing guitar does take a certain i mean it's not easy it's especially if you're playing something that maybe is a little bit more technical or off time or whatnot it's it can be a little bit intimidating so that's why i i was kind of putting my own experience on him maybe to some degree but like i don't know who knows but i mean he's 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 good at it it He's, but he's he's a front man, hundred and ten percent. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. It, it is interesting though to see the only other band I can think of that, and I know this is like a weird parallel too between this band to the Deftones, but it's been interesting to see the evolution of Chino being a guitar player on record and in a live setting. Uh, and the only band I can think of that's really done that, where you weren't really aware that the singer could play guitar, and then like when you see him live and has to start playing guitar a lot more on a lot of the new material since he helps write shit is uh aaron mm. lewis abstained like i remember oh, yeah. for a while like it was always just mike their guitar player doing stuff and then like around break the cycle uh he came out and did acoustic stuff on some of the songs and then when they did uh 14 chapters of gray um there is a lot more stuff that required two guitars and so there were a lot of songs like you're starting to see aaron play a lot more guitar to when I saw him on the last album cycle they did for their self-titled record, I would say 80% of the show, Aaron had a guitar and was playing. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting to... And even now it's to the point where like when Aaron's playing his country stuff, like he's playing guitar every single song. Um, so it's interesting to have seen this person who you don't think of as a guitar player at all to now being like, I pretty much always see him playing the guitar when he's playing live. Um, oh, wow, and it's yeah. like now when you see Deftones, I would say it's a good like half and half, but some, I definitely think like this was the beginning of the, of Chino coming. Like, you know, I made the comment on around the or adrenaline, the one of the last songs on that record. I was like, I feel like this is a song that Chino would have brought in and been like, Hey, I wrote this. We just didn't know mm-hmm. he played guitar. So we didn't know. Then there's other songs on uh, around the fur where I'm like, I feel like Chino and Steph would like would have collabed on this and, and 
you know, it, but it could have been handled with one guitar as opposed to needing two. Whereas now with Steph having seven string, and I think at this point between playing in, in C when they're in six string, and I know uh, Chino plays in C, um, mm-hmm. that at this point you're seeing the dynamic of like Steph using the seven strings really adding like another like deeper sound like to the guitar, like just the, the more crunch tone that he's gotten playing a lot of like mm. big chords whereas chino's now adding like the little little nuances and the flavor uh to each song um, right so i think like this is a great song that like really 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 shows where their band's gonna start going yes. like like i said there's been that one song like i just alluded to on the on the last couple chance we had there's a song that kind of shows where the band's going i think yep. the latter half of this record and specifically this song, I, between Korea and, and this song, I really think you start seeing, like, where the Deftones were going to go. And that's why I always think it's funny when people get pissed about a record and they're like, where the fuck did this come from? Like, because people, <laughs> I remember people being genuinely upset that, like, it didn't sound like Around the Fur. But then it's like, there were there were traces of what this was going to be on Around the Fur, just like there were traces of what Around the Fur was going to be on Adrenaline. If you really yep. pay attention, there's always yep. something that shows where the band's going. And Agreed. people just always seem to be so caught off guard, like, where the fuck did this come from? And it's like, it was like, there. Were all you along. even listening? <laughs> they, they left the breadcrumbs. You just didn't pay attention. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. I mean, every time I hear this song, I do think of Queen of the Damned. Yes. You remember that movie? Yep. Oh, I, Leah. best soundtrack ever. Yeah. And uh, she's in, She's. I think it comes on when she's in this bathtub naked yep. or something yeah. like that. She's, she's getting into the crit- bathtub and drops that, uh, the like robe or whatever. And then it yeah. segues into something else I'm blanking on it's so perfect i'm like of course this is what it, this is exactly what the song is written for it's like scenes like this highly charged sensual kind of uh dreamy like drug-like state very much like you said um you know and of course this song is 110 percent showing what they what is to come for them later on um i wholeheartedly agree with that um it's very 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 good and then the last song (laughs) pink maggot (laughs) so what's funny about this is like when i first got this record before back to school was even you know an extra track that was released this song always with how great changing the house of flies is was whatever this one always kind of caught me it just it's a good song but I always felt very eh about it, and I felt like it just lost. Like, the the one negative I do kind of have about this record, in the sense that I love the, the dynamics of, like, heavy songs to slower songs to whatever and showing a lot of range, I feel like the, the track listing of this was kind of really wonky. Like, because mm-hmm. sometimes it's like you get something that's so good. Like, Change really should have probably been the album closer. And then you get this, and it just kind of kind of hangs around a while, like, to get going, and then kind of is going but doesn't really feel like it's going anywhere it just feels like a jam like everyone would have had like oh it, like you know like you start off with like either it's like the last song of the day you're just kind of jamming on or like the first thing like everyone's kind of like hung over whatever you're jamming on this like little kind of sleepy thing yeah and it doesn't really go anywhere but it's it, actually i think there was this actually there was the the song off of uh adrenaline i forget the song title where i was like it feels like a, an idea that just never was finalized and then it was like Meh. yeah this feels there like that go. to me. Yeah, this feels like that to me. Yeah. Where it's like, I don't hate it. It's not bad, but it's like you could tell like 
it's very simple in arrangement. The lyrics are very minimal at best. Um, I mean, just repeating the same thing over and over and over and over again. And then it really has nothing to do with anything, like, lyrically. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's one of those where it's like, I've kind of grown to, I've kind of grown to like it more just because like how different it is from everything and what a weird choice to end the record on. Yeah. But then I sometimes keep coming back to like, as I said earlier, how the fuck did you choose to start writing another song and then be like, Oh, you know that song we put many like pink maggot? Like, Oh, I'm just going to repurpose these lyrics and just throw them on. You're like, I guess that's a (laughs) thing you could do, but why? (laughs) So it's, Um... it's just a very weird song to me like as a whole like it it doesn't it doesn't not fit i guess because there's songs like teenager and rx queen which kind of are in the same headspace yep but as a whole like i'm just kind of like i don't know what this is it just feels like a, a like a 65 percent done song idea and then someone was like hey what do you think of this song oh that's great throw it on there okay <laughs> like <laughs> sure we, let's do it we just pulled one over on somebody <laughs> yeah um like i said earlier i never listened past change like i heard it if it did come on it was because i forgot to turn the city <laughs> off so okay um it doesn't mean i hate it it was just like i had very clear choices about what i liked about this record and it just wasn't part of that landscape so um i i, res- I respect them tremendously and all the different avenues that they've taken but there's just like there's just your favorites on a record and when you put it on you, you skip to the ones you like um that grab you right away um this song may appeal to other people in the in this in different way uh that works for them but for me it's just not one of those standout tracks yeah i i don't know it, it's it's just a i mean like with some of these like songs and with the arrangements and stuff like you can kind of tell like okay chino his influences in, in this and so forth come through like your morrissey influences your you know joy division your you know kind of new weight synth pop kind of shit like influences are coming through whether it be the vocals mm-hmm. or the song or whatever with this it's like i don't know what the fuck this was i don't know who <laughs> i don't know who brought this <laughs> to the band like there's not really any direction that makes me go like like thumb on the pulse like or you know finger on the pulse oh it this is a chino song totally yeah i don't yeah. know who the fuck brought this to to whoever like <laughs> yeah. like i said this just seems like something someone like is fucking around with something someone <laughs> slightly adds something to it everyone's like this is something it's like you know having been having been in, in a lot of practice spaces and stuff like that and watching people write together you know, there's that thing where someone's just, you know, like as you're getting ready to start a practice, someone writes is jamming something, or maybe the drummer's fucking around with something, and like you just kind of all lock it, try to lock in on something just to kind of get like the creative vibe going. But it's mm-hmm. like you know that thing where people are like, it's just kind of the go-to jam, like oh, all right, like like let's you know figure out if your amp sounds good and everything's in tune or whatever. Hey, you make sure like your drums are, you know, if you got like whatever. It just seems like that thing people do in practice, like to start a practice. And then it's like, you know, maybe it'll be that thing where it's like, if it starts getting a little further developed, it's like, okay, put it on the board. It's, you know, with a working title, whatever, here we go. And then you just kind of jam it out. But it always seems like that, it seems to me like one of those songs where it's like, it's that thing everyone's been jamming for like five years that never will turn into anything, but everyone, <laughs> but you just have it. And yep. to me, that's what this is. It's just like this, this thing where I'm always like, I'm always like, where is this going? What, why is this? Like the, like I said, the lyrics are just so nonsensical you just keep repeating 
back because back in school like it's like what does the school part have to do with the beginning like verses or whatever like none of it makes any fucking sense and then it's like by the time you get to back to school it's like okay well at least you sort of tied like the school aspect of it between like the chorus to you know some of the the verses but the fact it came from this it's like how like, i i still just have no fucking clue like where yep. this came from and then how they thought to jam turn it into something completely different it's like god damn i i just i don't get it it's a mind fuck for me and yeah. it always has been and you know when talking to people like some people like are like oh, that's one of my favorite songs on the record i'm like that that is one of your favorite songs on the record like how explain it to me please i, 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 I don't get to it. know <laughs> yeah yeah so but again um i i like i like i said i'm always super super respectful of musicians and their need to try it just like mess with something but at the same time you know you have these filler songs which i also understand like you said it's just these songs that you jammed out or whatever and you think okay yes it's it's not going to be one of our standout tracks but it's it's something that we've created um that may appeal to somebody and it it apparently has appealed to someone at least that you know of (laughs) so um they did that they they accomplished you know their job um they've they've made something they've created something that that's connected to somebody so i think um it has its own it has its merits in that you know it's done its job but at the same time it's it's not why me and you are going to rush out and buy the record no and if there's a record of this I, i would definitely not go buy it Oh, yeah, like, okay, really? You're going to imagine if they released that as a single? It's like, what? I mean, <laughs> like, indirectly they did. What's that? I said indirectly they did. Yeah, I guess that's true, yeah. like, And a, it, it, but it made people buy the whole itself. record. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> so that, I guess what that, do we that know? doesn't make sense to me. Uh, <laughs> even even, the, even the, re, the repurposing, it just, you yeah. know, they opened, I think they opened the show with that song. Yeah, they did. No, actually, it like, was, uh, Head Up was the first, well, are you talking about on this tour or the tour we just saw? On this saw? tour, on I think yeah, the tours that I just the 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 this one that I saw on the eleventh. Uh no, they opened with head up. Then I think this was the second or third song in the set. Second or third song or something like yeah yeah, yeah but still right in the, again, right in the beginning play, though. Yeah. Yeah, they played it at the beginning. I'm like, what is this now? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll, let, I'll give you that. So that that is White Pony. Yeah, that is White Pony. I, um go ahead sorry go ahead let's just say this is the uh the fun part where we we try to pick a unanimous song <laughs> I, oh yeah this is this is very difficult for me i'm i'm on the fence between two two songs okay. and i me I, too <laughs> I, it'll be interesting to see if the two songs are the same okay so, you want to say the two songs and yeah see? yeah okay so what is what are your two my two are digital bath and passenger Oh man, totally different songs. Mine is a oh, yeah! mine's Korea, Korea <laughs> and uh, Korean change. Oh, Korean change, interesting. Korea like... is probably like. See, I'm always torn because it's like any like Korea still gets me hyped to this day. Like you throw yeah. it on, like I feel like I could demolish like a house if I just ran through it listening to that song. <laughs> like yeah. like when I would go work out, like I remember, like I said, I was a so- like sophomore grade ten. Uh, when this came out and I was heavily like running track and playing football and so like mm-hmm. my I was a skinny ass little kid but like I still would like go hit the weight room all the time 
and this is like one of those like korea is like one of those songs like you throw it on during like you know squats or like leg day or whatever you just like fucking get a good workout going and it just gets you hyped and change is the exact opposite like like i said change is one of those things where i feel like it the heaviness and the the cat like i'm a sucker for heavy catchy like heavy songs yep give me a heavy song with a hook like i'm fucking sold and to me that this is the the definitive song off this record that is like that where it's just heavy and it's got a great hook it's it's hummable like Mm -hmm. it's everything great about the deftones like and showcases every single person in the band like the, the dj gets to have some like time like with his samples and such and chino's breathy vocals and you know the really like nice light guitar playing before steph comes in with the huge like you know bar chords and such like that and abe's drumming is really good and all of that so i think I uh, guess you, could, you say that about almost all the songs that we've talked about that that stand out in that way you can say that about all of them yes you can say that they have this convergence of all of the things that make them great as musicians yeah. um so but again i i agree with you because they're all it's impossible to say like this song is better than this other one for this reason like it's it, they're just out of the ones that we've liked or responded to positively it's very difficult to make that distinction that it's like this song is the best on this record it's impossible to me <laughs> it's impossible like every single one aside from three <laughs> um are incredible yeah works, works of art in a lot of ways and in in you know, I I agree 110 percent with you on the on with Korea and change. Like but, Korea is the only song that my boyfriend likes. See, and that, he doesn't like the Deftones. He's like Korea is a great song. The thing I think though for me about those two is, and and to a degree with your two picks as well, I think it shows the the extreme ends. It's like one's kind of more yeah. like heavy, and if you're like a metal fan, like a metal metal fan, it's like that's the song for you. Mm. If you like yep. more prettier stuff that they do, like that's the other end. And so it's like, to me, it's like, that's why I'm like on the fence. It's like, well, over here in like bludgeoning world where like people are getting stabbed <laughs> to death and shit, it's like, okay, here's Korea. And that's the soundtrack to like just brutalizing everybody around you. Yeah. Or yeah. here's like the lush fields of like, you know, <laughs> changing the house of flies where you're like, all right, oh. like things are cooler over here and I can like vibe out. It's like, it's it's really dependent on like what kind of vibe you're going for and to me it's like yeah if i if like the two songs were put together somehow like i I don't know like that's why to me i it really depends on like the vibe i'm trying to go for because like like i said i i'm on either end of the spectrum on these two so that's why it's kind of hard to like definitively say but i feel like i would lean more toward uh change just because of it sets up a lot of the other stuff i really like on other records and this was right. the, kind of the, the the foundation for that. So I think if I have to pick personally, it's it's change. Okay. For that reason. Um, for that reason. Yeah. Make I I per, makes perfect sense. Like I can't disagree with you on it. <laughs> like it's it, it's so sonically perfect in in a lot of ways. Um, but for me, for some reason, Digital Bath for me, I think would be my pick. Both singles, yes. coincidentally. Yep. <laughs> but you know, just Digital Bass speaks to me in some uh, primal level. I'm not sure exactly what that is, but it just does in terms of musicianship, 
and the atmosphere, but both of them, like both change and digital bath have this incredible dark atmosphere, which oh God, if you can't <laughs> teach that shit, you can't, it's magic. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, digital bath is my pick. Well, I, I guess, uh, I guess I'll, I'll have to figure out which which one if I want to trump you and just <laughs> throw the change on at the end, or if I want to. <laughs> you I'll... can do. I mean, it's your show, honey. You can do it. <laughs> I know. I'll figure. I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll kind of see, sit with it for a few days, and once I get kind of through the editing thing of listening to this conversation like twenty times, I'll figure out uh, if I if one <laughs> yeah. of us if we like both lean more heavily like in talking about the song specifically. Uh, but I don't know. I'm because I'm torn. Like I said. Um, yeah. Yeah. You should put a poll up to your uh, followers and see what they think. <laughs> no one really comments on any of the shit I, I post, but I noticed, like, because I saw you posted about this, like, the chat happening in the last episode, and it's already, yep. like, causing, like, I think last time I looked at it, it was already at, like, 10 or 11, like, comments and shit within the last, like, hour oh, nice. and a half or so. So it's one of those, it's like, okay, maybe it'd be better, throw, like, a better thing for uh, you to prose and be like, okay, like, we're on okay, the fence also. about this. Uh, and see what people think. I'm actually pleasantly surprised no one's really gotten on us for kind of shitting on certain songs because, like, especially at the adrenaline chat, I figured all like a bunch of people would be like, "You guys are wrong." <laughs> no, I love it. I love having these conversations with people, but yeah. I think that um, I'm, I have a fairly homogenous um, reception in the sense that everyone feels pretty much the same. Yeah, um, and that's not to shit on them on 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 the Dacktones. It's just like that's just you know the people that have grown up with them quote unquote from their inception to now that's just how it's just how we perceive, perceive them now it's it's so much different than someone that comes that like first heard koino yokan as the first record that they've ever heard and then yeah. you're going back and they're like what is this like it's so i feel so privileged to be able to have been with them almost from almost from the beginning yeah um to see how wonderfully they've they've blossomed into such a, just an incredible uh, through and through. What's so. been interesting too, and we haven't really talked too much about it, other than on the first record for the sonic dynamics being so shitty, is <laughs> really like giving major props to Terry Date along the process. Oh, yeah. Like this this record sounds huge, and I I mean. I accredit to me I credit a lot of it to them adding Frank into the songwriting and allowing him to add more texture to the songs but i think like you know we keep talking about the the tone and, and the drum tones and the everything oh, going yeah. on and without terry date helping facilitate that i don't maybe this album does like you know in the hands of somebody else maybe this album doesn't sound like this because like yeah. we've even like mentioned like the drum tones on like like from something from digital bath to korea or whatever it seems like they were not just stock like oh here's your drum tones here's your guitar tones like whatever we figured it out like we're just going to copy and paste them into every song like yeah. everything kind of has its own vibe and own sound and it's i kind of i kind of dig that and i i don't know how much of that is terry date or the mixer i don't know if it makes this record off the top of my head but um i think it's one of those that terry date should kind of get a good pat on the back but the funny thing is is after this record he didn't work with them anymore yeah. Yeah, I wonder. Hmm, wonder what happened there. Could be some some goss, hot goss going on there. Oh, uh, I've heard stories. I'll talk about it on the next record. You've heard some stories. Well, I've read some stories. Mm -hmm. Just like I said, between being one of the like back when magazines were the thing, I would fucking go to Barnes and Noble and just read everything I could for free. 
Yep. Um, hey, I didn't know they won a Grammy for Elite. Huh. I knew they were nominated. I thought they lost to... This came out in 2000. I thought they lost... I forgot who I... Th I thought they lost to, like, Slipknot or somebody else. Mm, yeah, 2000 was a... Huh, didn't know they won either. Crazy. Uh, hold on. It doesn't say who, who mixed it, but I, I... Like, even just the, the, the transition between the verse and the chorus on change mm -hmm. is so such a slap in the face that it's so perfectly it's so seamless that i'm i i'm envious of because I, I, I don't really know much about the production side like like you but i do i've been through the process but i don't understand how how it just become it opens up into this amazing um uh, uh sonic slap in the face yeah just as an aside terry date did mix it as well did he okay i thought he had mixed yeah. in i mixed and uh produced most of the Death yeah. records he did now the fun yeah, part will be once sense. we get to diamond eyes because uh one of my newer favorite <laughs> producers uh actually did that record and yeah. he was involved with sound city so there'll be a lot of fun shit to talk about with production on that when we get there awesome but like i said this will this will be fun because now this is the transition from you seeing the band and having live stories to tell and then yep. starting with this next record, that's where I, I will take over and be able to talk about like the tours I saw them on on these record tours and things that happened and so forth. Like the mm -hmm. next record, it'll be fun because that was the almost like 10 years ago seeing pretty much this exact same tour, uh, just without Rise <laughs> Against, uh, yeah, yeah. seeing them on the self-titled. But... And we can talk um, about the uh, the beginning of Fat Chino, although that was kind of on this record. Yeah, it was. I, I noticed I noticed it when I met him too, because I met him on this tour, and I'm like, oh wow, you look really different. Like <laughs> he, <laughs> and of course, like he was my poster boy for most Your of my teenage years. So I was like, whoa, what the hell is going on? And then people were like, uh, maybe drug use, nobody knows. But I mean, that's his business. He can do whatever he wants. But I know I, it was very obvious that something was not not going well or something. I don't know. I don't want to, fa you know, fat shame anybody or whatever. You know, he can do whatever he wants with his body. <laughs> um, but uh, I was like, whoa, okay, all right, that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he was uh, very noticeably, like I said, very docile person, um, low energy person when I met him. So it was like. Um, kind of teenage dream crushing, but um, <laughs> because I expected him to kind of be this really intense guy, mm -hmm. but he's not at all, like at all. <laughs> um, did I? Yeah, I don't know if I want to tell that story. Hmm. You've teased it over the last two episodes. Uh, <laughs> I know that's true. Um. Well, there were many story, many Chino stories. Um, the first time I met him was uh, was between just at the end of Around the Fur. They were finishing the touring that record, and that was in 1997. Then I saw them a year later um, in 1998. Uh, actually, no, sorry. The second time I saw them in 98 would have been the end of the Around the Fur tour. Hi, puppy. <laughs> She's about ready to play. She's like, stop talking. <laughs> I have to pee. Um, 
anyway, yeah, so there, there's been so many different times where I've encountered either Chino or Steph. Um, they've been really strange encounters in the sense that, like, you know, meeting your idols and mm -hmm. then being, like, having this idea of them in your head and then when you meet them, it's, like, completely opposite to what you thought. And at any rate, so the most memorable, so I'll tell you the most memorable story out of all the times that I've met them um, was my birthday in 2001. Um, they were come, they were touring with Taproot and Incubus and we'd gotten tickets and backstage passes to go see them um, on, on November 16th, 2001. So, uh, no, it would have been 2000, sorry, 2001, 2000. So uh, I was ecstatic getting able, being able to see them on my birthday. It was like the best present ever from the girls, um, from my bandmates. So we go there, and of course, everybody knowing that I had this huge crush on him, they're like, "Okay, uh, we're gonna mess with Fallon because like that's that's what we that's what people that's what your friends do." <laughs> so um, Mercedes ended up telling Mike, the guitar player from Incubus, that. Fallon has a huge crush on Chino, so you should you should tell him to go and talk to her. <laughs> and I had no idea that this is happening. And I'm sitting there in there, and they were playing in this like arena, and you know, like a hockey arena. So they were they were dressing. Their green room was literally like a, a hockey like Locker change room. room. Yeah, super awkward and strange. So I'm sitting there. Um, minding my own business and he comes and he sits beside me and I legitimately wanted to vomit all over myself because I'm just like oh my god like, <laughs> like the, the, the fangirl in me was 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 she died I, I I don't think she's ever been resuscitated um she died I I rest in peace so she so I'm, I'm sitting there and he and the first thing he says to me he says uh do you like magic? <laughs> like the gathering or like real and I'm magic? Like, and I, I'm like, pardon? Do you like magic? Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't know what to say. So then I'm like, I practice a little bit of it in high school or something, <laughs> something really super bizarre. And I'm like, what the hell did I just say? So he's like, yeah. Have you ever seen David Blaine, man? David Blaine is a fucking magician. He's he's cool. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, Chino. David Blaine is super cool. Like, I, I, what the hell do you say to that? What do, what do you say to that? I was like, I, <laughs> I've met this man hand, a handful of times, and then the time that I actually really have a, a, a an in depth conversation about anything, we talk about friggin' magic and David Blaine. <laughs> So he's going on, and it's like ten minutes of him just talking about how great David Blaine is and how he's like a sorcerer or something like that. I stopped listening after a while. I'm like, oh god, this is ruining every single teenage dream that I've ever had. Like, please just stop talking. Like, please. But it was, it was in in. I'm joking, but at the same time, I I was a little bit horrified because I was kept on saying really weird things in response to his really weird things. So we're <laughs> two, two peas in a pod in that way. Um, and, and then he, he said, well, I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta get ready for the show. I'm like, um, have a good show, sir. Or something, something really awkward. I'm like, why did I say, sir? Oh God. <laughs> and 
Anyway, so he 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 leaves, and then uh, Mike comes. Mike and I hung out a lot on Ozfest, and he, he's an awesome guy. He's like, "So how'd it go?" I'm like, "I friggin' hate you. Why did you do that? <laughs> Don't do that. That's not cool." She's like, "So?" He's like, "Come on, like he, he he's a nice guy, right?" I'm like, he, "Dude, no. I said some weird things." There was weird things happening in that exchange. It was not a, not a comfortable, good experience at all. Mike, I'm saying you're you're a dick. Like, please don't ever do that again. But um, at, at any rate, so then at the end of the night, Mercedes has this sort of like she's a, she's very much a Loki kind of a like a um um uh a, she likes to play pranks on people and whatever. Right. So she 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 comes up to me. She's got this big shit eating grin on. I'm like, what the what did you do? What did you do? She's like, <laughs> she pulls this shirt out of her like jacket or whatever. She pulls this shirt. I'm like, what is this? Whose shirt is this? She's like, I stole Chino's shirt after his shower. Oh. <laughs> and it was, the shirt was soaking wet. Yeah. Soaking wet because he had just performed. And she freaking goes into the change room, steals his shirt, and it's sweaty and disgusting and whatever. And I, I take it from her. I'm like, you stole his shirt, dude. What the hell are you doing? She's like, yeah. He he was he was just like showering or whatever. So I just took a shirt, <laughs> and so I had his nasty ass shirt, shirt. Yeah. For uh, I only got rid of it recently. <laughs> I kept I kept his friggin' nasty shirt for years. Ugh. For 15, 16 years, I kept his shirt. I had it. I never washed it. I oh. put it on my my wall and it stunk like curry after a while i'm not even i'm not even kidding you like ask any one of my friends they're like fallon has his shirt on his on her uh wall so that's that's a super embarrassing story but you know hey you know what i told you i told you mine when we first started the first chat we did where i was like i had a crush on you in high school and had your photo in my locker so i think it's only fair that you tell an equally embarrassing story all right so chino i'm sorry if you're hearing this because we do have multiple mutual friends so i'm always like really hesitant to tell these stories but at the same time i'll go ahead and send this to the prp and have them oh god no please don't um (laughs) how great would that be you just you just like wake up and then the prp tags you on like twitter and shit and it's just like former kitty member admits to stealing (laughs) former (laughs) former kitty members admits to stealing chino's stage shirt (laughs) and keeping it on their wall i was like i i honestly was not my idea but at the same time i was like so grateful that mercedes did it because i'm like I hate you, but thank you very much. <laughs> it was like, hmm. It's like my little like um, souvenir from from meeting him and having this extremely awkward and strange exchange with like one of my I- still one of my idols. Like it's oh my god, how weird is that? Well, in the event that I ever get Mercedes on, I will start with that. I'll be like, so tell me about this time you stole Chino's shirts. <laughs> I just her face. I, I as soon as she looked at me, I knew she had done something. I'm like, what did you do? What That's did you? Right. And I thought she was like maybe invited him or something. Maybe like, you know, yeah. so that it could be doubly awkward that night. But no, she she delivered that girl. She delivered. <laughs> well, I guess this is good. <laughs> this is an endless episode. <laughs> yep. 
Yep. Um, <laughs> sufficiently embarrassed now, but everybody, you're welcome. <laughs> well, uh, that's been our chat about the Deftones uh, White Pony. And uh, we will get back together next week, or next week, next month, and next uh, month, yeah. talk about the self-titled record. Yep, sounds good. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time, and we'll awesome. chat next uh, next month. Thank you for your time, and yeah. we'll see you soon. So that was my chat with Fallon Bowman, where we just dissected Wet Pony by the Deftones. Uh, let us know what your thoughts and feelings are on this record, or even the last handful of records that we've dissected between Around the Fur and Adrenaline. Uh, next, we will be doing the self-titled record, which usually doesn't get a lot of love in a lot of the social circles that I run in of uh, Deftones fans, and I think I'm probably going to be alone on a lot of my thoughts and opinions on this, as you have heard that Fallon's not really super familiar with this record, and kind of going forward wasn't really familiar with a lot of the newer albums that the band has put out, so I think it'll be more interesting to see what the opinions are, and I think we're going to have more varied opinions, because I I very much was super into the Deftones pretty much from this point forward, and saw the band quite a bit on these, these last few tours uh, over the last handful of albums, so I think you're going to find that I'll probably have a lot more positive things to say about this these next couple of albums that we go through, but... Really looking forward to doing that. I think we're going to be doing that in the next couple of days as of when I'm recording this uh, outro. Going to kind of wrap everything up pretty quickly because this is a long chat as it is. Uh, socials. You can follow Fallon on Fallon Bowman pretty much everywhere. Uh, YouTube channel of hers is at Fallon Bowman TV. If you would like to follow me uh, and comment on any of the Deftone stuff that we've covered or just anything in general, uh, you can do such at uh, John's Untitled Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. That's John's J-O-N, uh, uh, no apostrophe. There would be an apostrophe, but just J-O-N-S. And on, what did I say, Facebook and Instagram. And then on Twitter, it's John's Untitled Pod. And... YouTube channel is Johnson's Idol Podcast. You can see videos and or just episodes that I've been posting up there. And the last one would be, if you want to email me, johnsonsidlepod at gmail.com. If uh, you want to hit any either of us up and let us know what you think about our Deftones chats, I'm sure we would greatly appreciate uh, having someone else chime in and give their own two cents. Uh, without further ado, going to end this episode as we always do with a song. And even though we didn't necessarily agree to a unanimous song of the song of the album uh i'm going to go ahead and play it out to change in the house of flies just because we both kind of talked a lot about it uh specifically and kind of looking back at the record as a whole and fallon you know kind of had said that it was pretty much where she always ends the album so uh felt appropriate to end the episode with that song so without further ado this is deftones change in the house of flies talk to you next week
Thank you.